Chapter 15. The Big Freeze Is that the match ball? asked Jane. I think so. It fell from Fedder when Huey left me. It's so warm. It has the energy of the match trapped inside it. It's very special. They continued climbing up hills of freshly cut grass. Katie felt goosebumps on her arms. She shuddered and said, I'm feeling quite chilly. I'm not. All this fluttering is working up quite a sweat. They continued on for a while longer and Katie began rubbing her arms to warm them. Her decision to leave was so spontaneous that she'd forgotten to bring a coat. Katie, why did you forget about me? Jane sadly asked. I'm so sorry, Jane. I was just so carried away. I forgot to think. You mean all you could think about was Huey? I guess so, Katie said sheepishly. You shouldn't forget about your friends. We were out with friends. They weren't our friends. We hardly knew them. I felt that Huey and I had a thing. I think he's good at making many girls think they have a thing. You're right. I can't believe I fell for it. I know guys like that. It's usually me playing them. Maybe you shouldn't play at all. If you need to play, is the prize worth winning? Katie thought for a moment and didn't deny Jane's comment. The grass began to crunch under their feet and their breath turned to fog. Katie clutched the rugby ball tighter to her chest. It warmed her. This cold is so unusual, said Jane. Why? It is the wrong season for it. Just before Katie's feet began to hurt, snow started to fall. For a short moment, they both celebrated, but then wondered how much further they were away from the camp. Thick snow fell down from the sky and wrapped around Katie's ankles. The temperature dropped further and the snow stopped and hardened. Katie began to worry and tremble. Even with the ball clutched to her chest, she was cold. Jane said, Katie, my wings are beginning to freeze. Katie said that Jane's beautiful silk-like wings had slowed in flutter and small ice droplets had formed at the tips. This is getting very serious, she thought. They were far from the camp and the temperature was falling dramatically. Jane, what can you do to stop your wings freezing? I must fly fast, Katie. If it gets any colder, I don't think we will last. Katie shuddered and shivered. She could see trees were now covered in thick snow and some were cracking and breaking under the weight. Jane, you've got to fly ahead and get help. I want to stay with you. Through chattering teeth, Katie said. If you do, we both won't make it. Jane flew at super speed, leaving Katie all alone. A snow blizzard took hold and Katie was soon lost. Her long brown hair was thickly covered in white snow. Her once rosy cheeks were now deathly pale. Her legs ached and from not wearing, not fit for purpose shoes, her feet were blistered. Katie knelt to the floor. She was exhausted and felt very sleepy. She knew that she shouldn't close her eyes, but she couldn't help it. Her heavy eyelids stuck together and she passed out. Jane powered on through the blizzard. Fairies never flew in such weather. It was too dangerous. She knew that if she stopped, she would instantly freeze, so she had to fight the blizzard head on. Sudden gusts of wind sent her back, knocking her spiralling off course, but she continually fought back and reclaimed the lost ground. Eventually, Jane saw the stadium and the tops of the South team's tents. She burst into the dinner tent, which was the largest, and flew into a warm reception of players huddled around a stove. They all cheered and Alec leapt from his stall to greet her. Jane, I'm so glad you're back. 
Where's Katie? She's still out there. We need help. It's the big freeze. No one is prepared for it. We need to get Katie. She won't make it. The team and John Greaves encircled the pair. John Greaves's face had lost his mischievous smirk and was replaced by a solemn look. There was a pause while he cleared his throat. I'm afraid I can't send anyone. They will freeze too. It will get even colder until the sun rises. Jane turned to fly out of the tent, but she passed out and crashed to the floor. Alec grasped her with his hand and put his little finger on her chest and checked her heartbeat. It's okay. She's just exhausted. I shall go. John Greaves held back his players. They wanted to leave with Alec and said, It's certain death. Leaving now would not be heroic, but an act of a pigeon. Lynx had awoken and joined the panicked rabble. I am going no matter what. Katie is my friend, cried Lynx. Alec consoled Lynx with one hand on his shoulder and said, I have a plan. My Matt can take all the sea weather can throw at it. I'll go and find her. When Wraith finally returns, he can come fetch us. Blue and Wraith will freeze, said Lynx. That cat is a Norwegian forest cat. In this weather, she's probably feeling toasty. Alec whipped his hood over his head the first time he'd done so. You mean business, said Lynx with hope and excitement. That's right, Lynx. This cold ain't nothing a mean pirate can't handle. He turned back on a worried crowd. His mac whipped out like a superhero's cape and he marched to the entrance. A member of the team whispered, Isn't he a fisherman? Don't ruin his moment, Lynx whispered back. Alec opened the tent's entrance. A gust of snow blew in from the blizzard. He turned back to the crowd and said, Get the marshmallows ready. I'll be back before sunrise. Link shouted, That's my boy! Alec vanished into the dark night blizzard. John Greaves uttered, He's going for a walk and might be gone for some time. A phrase said by John Oates in Captain Scott's tragic expedition. Alec was almost snowblind. The blizzard was strong and thick. He shouted, is that all you've got, Big Freeze? Try sailing against hailstones the size of jellyfish. Wraith returned to the camp. He expected to slip in without being noticed. Instead, he was blasted by John Greaves. Where on earth have you been? Wraith was shocked. He'd never been disciplined by a civilian before. It was hard for Wraith to remain defiant against John Greaves's dominant aura. And who crowned you, my king? snapped back Wraith. Have you not noticed the weather? Yeah, it's chilly. And have you noticed who's here? Wraith quickly surveyed the tent. Katie, where is she? She's sitting down by the fire having a cup of tea. Wraith looked to the fire. Another pigeon. No, she's out there, barked John Greaves. Wraith's face turned white. He assumed Katie was still with the South team. What's going on out there? No idea. Apparently she went off with the captain of the North team and I assume he's probably taken her to the galleon with her mate, the fairy. Jane raised the alarm. Wraith, wasting no time, shouted, Blue! The tent entrance parted and Blue pushed her head through the hole. The whole team, including John Greaves, jumped and took several steps back. It's okay, she only eats jelly pouches, Wraith said. What's the matter, Wraith? Want another ride? Fun, wasn't it? said Blue purringly. It's Katie. She's still out there. Mummy, panicked Blue. John Greaves's mouth dropped. A talking cat, and its mother is Katie. I've seen it all. Wraith turned to the crowd and said, Warm the coffee. 
I'll be back before sunrise. And he and Blue, like Alec, vanished into the dark night's blizzard. Lynx was left with the panicked and confused group and said, Let's get the kettle on and melt some mallows. His vision impaired, Alec trudged through the snow. The dark green max sheltered him like an Eskimo's igloo. The wind couldn't penetrate the Mac's waxed outer layer, but his face was fast becoming frosted. Whilst trudging, Alec shouted loud and deep for Katie, but the high whistling wind drowned his anxious cries. Alec was determined to find Katie. He had navigated the most turbulent seas, and now he wasn't going to let the big freeze stop him. He reached the top of a small hill, thick with snow. The hill offered a vantage point which he could see further into the white oblivion. Through pauses in snow downfall, he spotted a lake and the tall snow-caked masts of the galleon. Alec was impressed by its magnificence. He was compelled to walk towards it. After only a few steps, a large force impacted upon his chest. Alec flew backwards in the air. As he flew, he could not see anyone or anything. He landed on the decline of the hill and tumbled and rolled, picking up speed and snow. The world around him spiralled until finally he came to a standstill at the bottom of the hill. He closed his eyes to let his vision settle, and he stood up. What on Festavia had pushed him, he thought. He looked around to see where he was, and immediately he smiled and punched the air. He had spotted Katie. Lying in a circle of damp, freshly cut grass, asleep on a rugby ball, was Katie. The thick, frosted snow encircled her carpet of grass. Like an astronaut walking on the moon, Alec leapt and bounded towards her, once reaching her, he expanded his mac into a protective cover, shielding her from the freezing elements. Katie, Katie, Alec said frantically, whilst shaking her. Katie awoke and looked disappointed, as she was hoping she'd had a nightmare. Alec, where's Jane? asked Katie. She's safe. We must get to safety. He lifted Katie to her feet and put her under his mac. Alec felt the warmth of the ball. This is so warm. It saved your life, Katie. It must have melted the snow and kept you warm, said Alec with amazement and delight. Looks like it's going to be okay. I was so frightened, Alec, she said through chattering teeth. We're not safe yet. It's going to get even colder until the sun rises. I don't think even this ball will withstand its deathly chill. As Alec said that, the temperature noticeably dropped and Alec's waterproof mac cracked in the cold. They began walking closely together. Katie joked by saying it reminded her of the three-legged races she'd competed in as a child. The colder the temperature dropped, the more infrequent the humour between the pair became. Katie collapsed to the floor, shivering. The ball and the mac were no longer enough to keep them warm. Alec, leave me. You stand a better chance if you go. This is my fault. I'm not leaving you, Katie. You are the best friend I've ever had. And he pulled her tight, and they both crouched and shivered together. Meow! Katie and Alec heard the distinctive noise of a large fat cat. Blue! They both screamed. The wind and blizzard cocooned their cries. Alec stood up, holding Katie. With his other hand, he plunged it deep into his Mac pocket. His hand re-emerged, brandishing a red gun. What's that? Katie asked. It's our only chance. Alec pointed the gun to the sky. It boomed, and soon after the sky lit up pink. A flare! said Katie. Yep, a fisherman never leaves port without one. Wraith from high up on Blue traced the origin of the pink spot in the sky. Right, mighty Blue, there can only be one fisherman in distress, inland, in this weather. 
Once they reached the shivering pair, Blue slowed her pace and gracefully stopped. Using one hand, Wraith heaved Katie in front of him and then Alec up behind him. Wraith shouted, Back to the camp, mighty Blue! Blue bounded and soared effortless over the snow. Small snow clouds puffed from her paws as they pulled and plunged into the snow. Blue's thick fur soon warmed both of their nearly frozen bodies. Katie leaned back onto Wraith's chest. She was finally safe, between his arms. Wraith said nothing. He had one mission to complete, to get them all home. Blue broke from her fast-paced bound to stop and smell a fixed iced object. Wraith, who had little patience for delays, snapped. What is it, Blue? No further questions were needed. All of Blue's passengers knew what the ice sculpture was. Feder's masculine outline was evident, and fixed to his top was the fine ice design of Huey and Christiane. They had both been frozen solid. Blue licked the snow from Huey and Christiane's form and revealed a hollow, clear ice structure. Where have their bodies gone? Katie asked in a saddened tone. They have moved on. When life comes to an end in Festavia, the whole body moves on, said Alec with remorse. You mean they're both dead? Dead to Festavia. After that, who knows, said Wraith. It was a chilling sight. Before the freeze, they were warm and present, and now all that was left was their iced forms. A tear ran down Katie's cheek and instantly froze. She didn't like either of them, but their fate caused her deep sorrow. Katie jumped from Blue's heat-trapped back. Her ankles were once again submerged in the cold snow. She leapt a few steps towards the frozen fawns. Katie, we absolutely don't have time for this. If you mourn for them here, we too shall join them in their fate, seethed Wraith. Wait, I need to check on someone, said Katie. She searched around the ice neck of Fedor and grasped at the frozen tin box. With her blue fingers, she prized it open. A gust of warm air blew onto Katie's face. Lying in the centre of the box was a beautiful fairy. Her hair was sprinkled with frost and her wings were closed shut, sheltering from the deathly cold. Katie used her little finger to gently wake her. The fairy's long dark hair slightly ruffled and she turned from her side to stare back up at Katie. She's alive, said Katie. To get a better view, Wraith sat upright and he said, Now Jane can form a fairy duet. We must make haste and escape this deathly cold. Katie reassured the fairy that she was now safe, but she must remain in her box until they reached the camp. Katie clutched the tin box close to her chest and she extended her hand for Wraith to take. Hello, my dear, said a muffled voice from deep within the snowy abyss. Out of shock, Katie let go of Wraith's hand. The voice echoed all around them. Without hesitation, Wraith reached down and pulled Katie aboard Blue. Wraith intuitively asked, Blue, what can you smell? It smells 80s. What kind of 80s? Wraith asked again. I can't quite tell. It's a mixture of new wave and romantic rock. Lots, said Katie and Alec together. Yes, Katie, I'm glad I haven't escaped your mind. Theatrically from within the white mist, lit by the moon, appeared Lutz. Wraith snarled. I ought to run you down where you stand. Now, now, my red-blooded warrior, you of all people should know that many are stronger than few. Lutz, who was standing metres away facing Blue, raised an arm flamboyantly and clicked his fingers. Katie gasped because now everywhere she looked she saw mannequins. Wraith, ignoring the new threatening predicament, said, 
You're not dressed for this weather, Lutz. You might catch a cold. Thanks for your kind concern, my good chap. Searching for you all has kept me very warm indeed. What do you want, Lutz? snapped Wraith. It's simple, my Queen Katie, said Lutz, while extending his hand with a swirl of the wrist. Come, my dear, join me. It seems you are always running. Why not escape with me? Katie was bemused. Lutz was scary, creepy, and charming, all at the same time. She had never met such a man. She remained quiet. Ride, mighty Blue, bellowed Wraith. Wraith steered Blue straight for Lutz. Lutz's face changed from being Poe to petrified. He dived from Blue's way, and she burst through the mannequin circle. Strike, Alec shouted, as several mannequins flew like skittles. You always have my heart, Katie. Lutz's voice echoed everywhere while they bounded at great pace, free. They reached the encampment just as the sun was rising. The shivering group entered the main food tent. They were greeted with a roar of delight. The whole team had been awake all night awaiting their return. Empty coffee cups were littered everywhere and Lynx was ready with a stick full of marshmallows and a cup of coffee. John Greaves ampled his way to the front of the crowd and gave Katie a smirk. Katie smiled back, which cued John to say, You know what you are, don't you? Katie bowed her head and whispered, A pigeon? You're lucky enough to have some daft friends, silly enough to rescue you. Katie looked at Alec and Wraith, who were exhausted. Alec, sensing the awkwardness, changed the moment by saying, Lynx, I'm starving. I'll have some mallows. The team and Lynx hugged Katie and congratulated Alec and Wraith for their rescue, and shortly after, everyone went for some much-needed sleep. Katie awoke to the sound of a whirling lawnmower. She sprung to her feet. The sun was out and the air inside the tent was warm. The freeze had gone. She left the tent to greet Walter, who she thought must be cutting the grass. She closed her eyes and allowed her pupils to adjust. When she opened them, there was no sign of Walter but standing by her ankles was the wooden timer. She knelt down and paused. She saw that half her time was gone. In fright, blood drained from her face and a droplet of cold sweat rolled down her cheek. She lifted it up and held it to the light of the sun. The timer fogged and when it cleared, she saw her father sleeping by her side. All around her bed were flowers and cards. She thought she must have been asleep for a long time. Her dad clutched her earthbound body's hand which triggered floods of tears to stream down her rosy cheeks. She jumped from her sorrow when she felt the rough, firm grip of an aged hand on her shoulder. Time flies when you're having fun, said John Greaves. The image vanished and she held the timer close to her chest and said, I must be having too much of it, said Katie with a whimper. I remember when I was a young champion. I thought it would never end. When it did, I was lost. My sport was everything to me, and just as quick as it started, it was gone. I went into a depression. My sport had been everything. It was why I got up in the morning. What did you do then? You seem happy now. I realised that as long as there is breath in your lungs and a beat in your heart, there is never an end. I learnt you are always just at a beginning. I just needed to find out what my new beginning was. To be a coach? Yes, that was one amongst many other things. I'm also a dad, a friend, a husband and a carer of many animals. All of these things make me happy. They give me a purpose in life. You are not for this world. You have to get back and find out what your purpose is. 
One thing is certain, your purpose can't be found in Festavia. I am a stupid pigeon. Maybe I shouldn't go back. No, you behaved like one. You actually remind me of a lioness who sometimes behaves like its prey. Because of that, I'm sending my son with you. He knows almost everyone in Festavia. He'll help keep you safe. Ajax appeared by John Greaves' side. He smiled and said, I've heard some of your story quite long, so I asked Lynx for a summary. I'll help sort you out, Katie. You've made this old codger very happy with his first draw. I want to repay you. This old codger could still lap you on a park, son. Come on, Dad. We know your best laps are done walking Freddy the dog around the park. John Greaves chuckled, a rare moment, as he rarely let anyone have the last word. A mixed crowd of South team players and Katie's group congregated outside the food tent. It was time for Katie to continue on. Wraith was the last to join in. Blue bounded up to him and nuzzled her large head into his chest, and he ruffled her furry mane and tickled under her chin. She purred in delight. Wraith, you're taking quite a liking to Blue, aren't you? said Katie. We've bonded, responded Wraith. We must leave now. Your timer is half empty. John Greaves smirked and said, Or is it half full? A man like you once asked me that. It's the final countdown by Europe, boomed from a box attached to Blue. Huey's fairy, she's awake, said Katie, as she grasped the box from Blue's neck. While Jane excitedly fluttered above, she prized it open. The lid popped off and standing in the tin was a long brown-haired fairy, fully awake and full of life. Many people gathered around and the fairy shyly covered her face. Please put the lid back on, said the fairy nervously. Why, you're free now, asked Katie. I don't feel safe. We won't hurt you, we're all friends. The box is all I know, and what's out there is scary. Look at Jane, she's flying free, don't you want to join her? It's been so long since I last flew, I think I've forgotten. Please can I stay in here? It's your choice. You do whatever you please. Joyce, I've forgotten that word. I only hear requests. Jane flew to Katie's ear and whispered, She's a professional sing-box fairy. It'll take a lot for her to leave the box. We can't push her. We must press on to Polo Pink, commanded Wraith. Lynx, Alec, Wraith and Katie climbed onto Blue's back and Jane perched on Katie's shoulder. Ride, mighty Blue, yelled Wraith. Wait up! cried a voice from within the food tent. Ajax emerged, wiping his mouth. Hang on, I've just finished my brekkie. Ajax's short, stocky form bowled through the crowd and stopped at the four riders. Oh, sorry, Ajax. How rude. Yes, jump on, said Katie. Um, what's going on? We are not having another passenger, said Wraith affirmatively. Ajax crossly said, Hang, hang on. I'm doing you a favour. I'm coming to help you nitwits out. I know everybody in Festavia. Wraith was once again, like so many other times on the quest, bemused, and he said, Where do these people keep coming from? They're all my friends, said Katie. It's all right. If it's a problem, I won't come, said Ajax. No, don't be silly. Jump up, insisted Katie. Ajax climbed onto Blues's back and she collapsed to the ground. You're too heavy, cried Blue. The watching crowd roared with laughter. John Greaves sniggered and said, Short, compact, thick legs and weighs a ton. 
If he wasn't so lazy, he'd make a great prop rugby player. Who's like a fishing weight? Small, dense and very heavy, said Alec. Ajax jumped off Blue and she sighed a sigh of relief. Ajax said, time to call in the big guns, and he let out a deafening whistle. The crowd was silent in anticipation. Several loud snorts were heard and a trail of tents in the encampment flew up in the air. Here she comes, shouted Ajax proudly. Hear what comes, said Wraith, and bowling through the crowd came... My bush pig, cried Ajax. A portly fat bush pig rushed up to Ajax. He greeted the pig with a strong rugby tackle and they both bounced off each other. Ajax leapt from the grass and began play fighting with it. They both grew more excitable. Snorting and squealing, Ajax pinned it to the floor and tickled its belly. From the floor, Ajax said, The pig is called Evie Pants and she's the only thing that can carry a dense lump like me. They say pets look like their owners, chuckled John Greaves. And that's why your Freddy is a pooch dad. Perfect match. Ajax straddled Evie and she snorted and tried to look up to smell and lick her master. Wraith, who was now coming to terms with the ever-increasing madness, asked Lynx, Which way to Polo Pink? Lynx lowered his head and covered his ears and waited, like an old-fashioned wireless radio, to receive the vibe. West! Polo Pink is going off! Jew West! Katie's larger team set off in the direction of the next big party.